my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It it really is. (laughs) What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to episode... I don't even know what we're on. Two of 2018. I like that. And we have some special announcements. We're taking this show on the road. On the road and IRL. Yeah. So we will be uh, opening up the IAB's annual leadership meeting in February out in Palm Desert, California. Big focus on direct-to-consumer brands and how incumbent brands can learn from new startups and direct-to-consumer brands and how the whole ecosystem of supply chain and um, reaching audiences has changed and why direct-to-consumer brands are coming into their own at this point. It's really going to be an interesting conversation. So we're excited to be there. And big thanks to IAB for having us come out. Totally. And we're also excited to announce that we'll be doing two of our favorite things, talking and eating. Yeah, talking and eating. (laughs) With a bunch of friends. We're going to be launching an inaugural dinner series for 2018, starting at the On Air Fest with our friends at Work by Work. We're excited to be doing that in Brooklyn at the Wythe Hotel 
in February as well. And stay tuned because there are going to be more Adlandia dinners and you may have a chance to come and join us. So today we have a special caller, probably the hottest media trends reporter in the industry right now, wouldn't you say? I would say hottest and still not known about enough. Right. So we're going to get on the phone with Sarah Fisher from Axios Media Trends newsletter. I love her background. So she's going to tell you about how she actually got to Axios and what she was doing before. And I think there's actually a signal in the noise here. Um, And so when you listen and you hear her talk about her background in ad sales and on the business side, I think it actually gives so many people on the business side something to hold on to and say, wait a second, I can have a perspective beyond what I'm selling, right? right? Like walking in with just a proposal and selling to a brand or a publisher or a client or whomever, right? That everyone in this space should and can have a perspective on the business. And I love that. Right. I think what was interesting about her point of view or what is interesting about her point of view is the perspective around how to fish for information, right? If you're thinking about how you're selling, you're asking for client objectives, trying to figure out where you can slot in, you know, your unique point of view is what you just said to get something sold. But I think that there's something interesting about how, you know, when you think about the seller buyer relationship and you think about that dynamic at the table of what they need to pull from you to get to, you know, to the point of how we make this deal happen. It's interesting to see her translate that over to the journalism front. And it comes down to ask the right questions. That's right. Asking the right questions. And yes, it doesn't mean it's more work sometimes. Absolutely. But it also means that you have a more meaningful relationship with the people that you're talking to and selling to. Totally. What I appreciated, and I think, you know, having chatted with her quite a bit, it's interesting to see sort of where Atlandia has sprung up in the market, where Axios Media has sprung up in the market, and the different unique point of view you get from people who are in it right? The people who are grinding it out, the people that have expertise and have practiced um, and how they're able to take points from brands or points from publishers and able to shape it into a conversation that actually extracts value because, you know, you you get it. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. So next, let's call Sarah. Cam, dial her up. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Hi, this is Sarah Fisher. Sarah Fisher. Hey, Sarah. It's the ladies from Atlantia. Welcome How are to you? Atlantia. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. So you have the hottest media newsletter in the industry right now, Axios's Media Trends. Can you tell us, Sarah, how you got started and why you made the jump over to Axios to put this out into the world? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for the kind words. I mean, it's kind of serendipitous how it happened. I was in ad sales for the majority of my career. I sold advertising at Politico. And when the founders of Politico jumped to create Axios, they wanted to create a product that looked at the business and technology sides of media. And they wanted a reporter who they wouldn't have to explain what a CPM was, or they wouldn't have to explain how header bidding worked. And that can be kind of challenging to find, especially because we're headquartered here in Washington. And so they figured, let's see if Sarah would be interested, even though she comes from the business side, she's not really a writer. We know she gets those important topics. And it just sort of worked out really well. I started uh, before the company launched last November. We launched the newsletter in June, and it's sort of taken off from there. Wait, so you went from ad sales to journalism. You had not been a journalist before. No, I spent a few years during my sales career. I took some time off and went to CNN, and I learned some of the you know, editorial concepts that you need for report, to be a reporter. You know, How do you initiate something off the record, on the record? Um, but for the most part, I'd never been a writer. And then when they brought me on to do this, I kind of had to wing it. <laughs> but luckily for us, Axios, our format is you know really short writing it's not using a lot of words it's just sort of leaning on expertise so it turned out to be a good fit so how are you sourcing stories because obviously there's a ton of media trade um, organizations that are out there reporting on very similar issues but you seem to have found an angle and a bend in that was able to cut through very quickly how are you sourcing those stories and and what are you looking for in the market to really find your point of differentiation at axios yeah so i'd say that every time you read the newsletter you'll probably find that between the five to seven items that i include there's three to four people that are on the record but what you don't see are the you know 30 or 40 people I talked to that week, whether it was on the phone, on background, off the work record, uh, in an interview, at a conference, in a conversation, just to be able to better form an opinion or a perspective that could help me shed light on some of these really nuanced topics to readers. And so when it comes to sourcing, it runs the gamut. This is like the most important skill that I took from sales and I brought to reporting. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, everyone has an interesting perspective when it comes to media. So sometimes I'll talk to the folks that I use to sell ads to, some of the ad buyers. Sometimes I talk to regulators, because I'm here in Washington, about what do you know about how this industry is transforming that maybe some of the times the industry parties don't even know about because they aren't looking at it from such a high level. Or I'll talk to brands, you know, it really runs the gamut, but there's no sort of equation like I call this person every day, or I call that person every day, because 
I'm covering such a wide scope of things, everything from media trends in publishing, telecom, technology, business, deals, that you can't allow yourself to you know, only talk to the same like 10 people. You just got to talk to everyone. What I think is really impressive is that there's so much noise out there and you distill your newsletter into really smart, really pointed topics and um, things that people need to be paying attention to. And when you're talking to everybody, how do you do that? How do you, Laura and I talk about spotting the signal and the noise. How do you spot the signals and the noise? It's a great question. One of the things that I did have to do when I was at CNN, which was hard, was they put me in this thing called the feeds room. And you'd have to listen to like hours and hours of White House briefings, Pentagon briefings, State Department briefings. And then you'd have to send a note to the network of like the top five things. Like what were the biggest things after five hours of listening to people? What are the five minutes that matter? And so it really helps hone your editorial judgment. And I like to sort of apply that same thought process when I write the newsletter. It's like, okay, I have lists that I've made all week of things I've heard, things that are interesting. But if I'm a business executive and I need to get smarter about my media business, what are the five things that I have to know? And so honestly, it just comes down to ranking. It becomes, it comes down to just having good news judgment, going with your gut and ranking things. And sometimes I'll identify something that no one else is talking about. And I wonder, Oh my gosh, am I miss, am I missing the mark? Like am I the one that's just going totally off the cliff here? And then people will respond and be like, "Thank God you wrote that. I'd been thinking about that or I hadn't thought about it this way." I'd say like the best example is when I talked about some of the issues that we're facing with like Chinese investments in media or, you know, I'm going to have something tomorrow on, you know, Comcast and NBC, their merger sort of remedies expired this past weekend. Like, what does that mean for AT&T Time Warner? And what does that mean Mm -hmm. for you if you're looking to advertise with AT&T? So a lot of it is just me kind of going with my gut. And sometimes I guess I could be off, but it seems so far that people have liked my gut. You know, it's interesting when you talk about being able to distill it down in five points. I think there's a side hustle in there for you, because if I read one more sales deck that goes 50 pages instead of five points. Like 104 pages. (laughs) I think there's something there where you could... uh, kind of consult with folks on how to get straight to the point. So you've been obviously on, um, you know, some of the the hot tips coming through and you you dropped a very special edition um, in the middle of CES last week around the news relative to Facebook. Yes. Can you give us the background on what you see being the most important facets um, for our listeners around the news of Facebook changing their algorithm to focus on engagement with posts, which obviously are going to have negative implications on brands and publishers? Publishers. Yeah. So I'd say the most important thing is that if you take a look at traffic patterns, any sophisticated publisher that's eyeing their analytics, and by publisher, I'm referring to brands too, because they publish on Facebook. They should have seen this coming. I mean, the amount of referred traffic from Facebook in comparison to Google and others has just been waning for months. And so you shouldn't be surprised by what you're seeing. However, you should expect for it to continue to ramp up, meaning that Less and less of your posts will have visibility, will have exposure. I think here's the the sneaky little ways where it's going to creep up on publishers and brands that they might not realize. One is so many people who do long-form native rely on Facebook to distribute traffic to those native pieces, and that will become much harder. DigiDay just wrote a piece on this. If you had bought you know, a $100,000 native execution with a publisher, but on your media plan, there was like a 
$80,000 social distribution, like most of those clicks you were banking on from Facebook, you're probably not going to get half as much as those. So that's right. one big side effect that I'd say is going to have on brands and publishers. The other is there have been analytics to support this, and I, we've run reports on this throughout the year. But short-form video, for the sake of short-form video, is just not going to be an option for developing an audience anymore. And we've written about this extensively, particularly as we mentioned actually in a few editions ago, how it will help other sort of technology advancements like voice or et cetera become bigger. But you can't just create Facebook videos to try to go viral anymore and get more people to like your page and then maybe sign up for your newsletter or subscription. You're going to have to lie on much more strategic, much more well-crafted types of editorial or content is you can't just make spammy videos anymore. Hasn't it been that way actually for a long time? Now it's officially that way. Now with Facebook going down this direction, it's definitely going to be a marked difference. But I would say if brands thought for the last three years that they were getting vi real virality out of Facebook without giving them significant spend, they're wrong. Well, it's interesting, right? right? Like one of my favorite tweets that I read that came in the feed right afterwards was, you know, the we talk about it all the time, the difference between delivering traffic versus delivering engagement and true audience. And people are going to start finding out, to your point, Alexa, that, you know, this whole time it was volumes and volumes and volumes and scale and scale and scale. But the reality of the situation was how many of those folks that were coming across your post or watching your video were actually qualified audience that was going to stick around and engage with the brand? Or were they getting real virality? I think the question for me is, was anyone getting real virality at this in the last few years with Facebook anyway? I don't think so. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think there was a lot of inflated virality and inflated engagement through paid. Now we've heard, you know, we've quoted analysts saying that it's, you know, organic reach is basically going to be dead on Facebook and you're going to have to buy a lot of your reach. I think that's one thing publishers should be really wary of is if you're not creating incredibly culturally timely, relevant content, like if you feel like you have to pay to elevate your organic stuff, your organic stuff could be stronger. And so I think brands are going to have to think about how do I create more like culturally relevant moments? How do I create more, you know, authentic content that breaks through the noise without me having to pay for it? to break through the noise. And so you're right, it's been happening for a long time, but I think this is the way of Facebook putting the icing on the cake. We keep talking about Facebook. Let's talk about everything but Facebook. Yeah. So like, where's the opportunity? I was reading an article uh, recently where the CEO of Fatherly was saying that a lot of his traffic is coming direct from Pinterest. Is this yep. an opportunity for other tech players like a Pinterest to come in and create a whole new environment for brands and publishers? It is. And we talk about this a lot at Axios and we get a ton of our traffic from Flipboard. It depends on what type of publisher you are. If you're a lifestyle publisher, if you you know sell home decor or something like that, then yes, Pinterest would be phenomenal for you. If you're a news publisher, something like Flipboard or Google News or Apple Google News, might yeah, be, Apple yeah. News would be great for you. The thing that publishers are going to have to think about, though, is that we got into this situation where we were signing deals with the devil. We were signing away yeah. our IP and our, our content to these different platforms, and we weren't getting enough of a revenue share in return. We're at the point now where if you want to develop strategic relationships with your audience, if you want to be able to make you know sound financial investments, you can't just rely on traffic from these platforms. You have to rely on a strategic relationship, a strategic investment where you're getting revenue in return. And so this is one of the problems that some publishers cry foul with Apple News. It's that 
Where's the revenue share? Is it good enough? Are we making enough money from that partnership? I know Snapchat has been really vocal that they're trying to make this better. They're announcing a publisher summit where they can focus on ad rev share agreements. I mean, the most important thing, there are different distributors that are going to rise as Facebook falls, like Apple News, Flipboard, Snapchat, Twitter, et cetera. But publishers are going to have to be pretty picky about the ones they choose to really invest in unless they're getting a big return on that investment, either through an ad revenue share or a content license agreement. They need to be really picky about where they just hand over their IP because then they're just going to fall into the same trap as Facebook. How do they vet that? Like, Yeah, you got to have a smart audience development team that's in constant communication with the partner. I mean, I don't know if you remember seeing there was a CNBC article about how Amazon reps can be really hard to get in touch with and to sort of work with. I mean, Amazon has a relatively nascent advertising business. It's growing faster than everybody else's. But some of that institutional infrastructure of how do you create sales partnerships, how do you create smart revenue partnerships and content are just newer to them. That's not what they focused on. They were an e-commerce platform forever. And so you need to choose your partners that have experience and that are committed to getting that sort of publisher relationship right. And that means having a lot of upfront conversations with their sales teams about what does the revenue share look like? Am I going to be contracted? How long does this contract expire? Where are the flexibilities in this so that if we have a huge, enormous bump in traffic that we can get earned for it because we're bringing elevation to your platform? All of these things are conversations that brands got to have with the distributors. And unfortunately, not all distributors are at the level where they're sophisticated enough in developing these types of contracts. If you take a look at what cable has done with some of the networks or cable satellite companies, that those partnerships have been solidified over a long period of time, starting to get a little bit rustled now with redistribution agreements, but they've been solidified. We're still at the point where we have not created a really solid distribution ecosystem for digital. Regulation's going to have some parts to do with it, but I also just think time and experience are going to help too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, what you were just talking about in terms of content IP and not necessarily just giving away the milk for free. I think it's something we've talked about at nauseum probably on this show is that publishers um, and media companies in particular, um, it's almost like you need to turn the mirror inward and start taking a deeper look at what you're bringing to the table. Um, and some of the content um, that has been, you know, chasing the lowest common denominator, looking for scale and finding these partners just to put it out wherever anybody wants to view it. I think as an industry, we need to reevaluate that distribution strategy because at the end of the day, if you have an asset or you have content um, that people are willing to pay for, um, that people can't get anywhere else, I think people are willing to come and look for it. And I don't necessarily think that that has to be in the Facebook feed. Um, uh, so I would be curious to get your thoughts on that. I mean, I couldn't agree more. This is the lens that I would approach to people's way of thinking about this. For so long, we measured success in media by reach. Nielsen ratings, how many people listened consecutively for one minute? What was that reach? Radio, same thing. What was that reach over a 15-minute measurement period? Even in digital, when we first started out, we were measuring things by unique visitors. Over the past, really, I'd say two years, because reach has become democratized through smartphones, you can reach anyone at any time. What has become the shift is how engaged, how much of someone's time can you capture? Yes. And so when we're thinking about IP and we're thinking about just making our content free and accessible, you don't need to reach everybody anymore. That's not the metric of yes. success. We're hand pumping. We're hand pumping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the metric of success should be how much does your content 
engage someone so that they can have an positive brand lift and help get you to a point of sale if you're uh, trying to sell a product or how much does your product give you a positive brand lift so that if you're a publisher, you can develop that direct to consumer relationship to monetize it in other ways. And so if you're thinking about, I just need to get my IP out there. I need to scale my audience. I need growth. I need growth. I mean, stop trying to grow so fast and start trying to grow smart. Where can I put my IP in a place that I'm going to get value from it and my consumers are going to get value from it? Because one of the other issues is you totally dilute your brand when you just try to kind of push all of your content everywhere without being strategic. A, half of it doesn't become viewable, right? 53% of impressions aren't viewable in the US anyway. So why are you spamming it on crappy programmatic channels? And B, when it does get viewed, if it's not contextually relevant, like what we were saying before, the impact is so much less. So this is going to force everyone in the ecosystem. What you just said. You're an Adlandia soul sister. You are lighting it up. You're Adlandia soul sister. What you said about, um, you know, stop growing so fast, start growing smart, I think is like mic drop. I actually think it's a new episode that I would love for you. We would love for you to come in on because one of the things that we talk a lot about is in this economy of companies and brands that are being driven by short-termism, right? And by the market right. that says you have to grow, you have to grow, you have to grow at this exponential, right? And then at you end up in a multiple situation. We're, yeah. well, what's going to happen is we're going to see brands, including media brands and companies, have these meteoric rises and falls just as fast. right? And so what happens, I think, to the whole landscape when that, when that starts happening? I mean, the rise and fall thing that you just hit on is so crucial in understanding how all the new age digital publishers are failing. Because if you're VC backed, which like Axios is VC backed, Business Insider, Refiner29, the list goes on. If you're backed by venture capitalists, this is why VCs typically, by the way, don't get into media. Right. They want to see a 10 time return in their investment, meaning that if you bring in, you know, one million dollars one year. The second year, you got to double it, bring in two. The third year, you got to double it, bring in four. Well, by the time some of these companies get into really, it's like the fourth and fifth year. The pressure to continue to double revenue, it swallows them. And so they just start to grow as fast as they possibly can to accommodate it. They don't have the flexibility of longevity and time to build and develop a smart audience. And that's where you're seeing a lot of them start to rely on platforms just to scale big, meet those VC expectations. And then once those platforms pull the plug, they're screwed. And so I think a lot of publishers are going to have to think strategically about their funding. If you want to get into this game, where are you going to get funding that your expectations allow for long-term growth? And I recognize that that seems a little bit contradictory because Axios is VC-backed. It's a challenge we're going to have to face, and we've been open about that. But people should think really strategically about that because we're watching people that have those very steep growth curves ahead of them just flounder in this environment. I also think that to just to put a cherry on that, and then they commoditize their experience. So not only have they lost any kind of funding, they've lost audience. That's right. They've completely lost audience. Some of the people that came to them initially now see that the content has totally derived from what their brand or what that publisher stood for to begin with, and they suddenly don't find any resonance with it. I kind of think about Huffington Post in a way. The Huffington Post was built as almost an open platform for people that have left of center, you know, viewpoints during the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. And then once media had become commoditized where a lot of left-leaning orgs, you know, Daily Costs and others popped up, their, you know, value add for being sort of this open platform suddenly decreased. And what you saw was that 
loyal Huffington Post readers, they could just get this completely commoditized stuff and other left of center sites. And it became more difficult for them. I'm not saying that there isn't intrinsic value because they do do amazing reporting. It's just, they're a good example of a publisher. I think that has sort of had to figure out how to navigate these waters because they grew really fast at a time when like Facebook was just starting and now they have to redefine themselves. Well, yeah. that's what, to, just to bring it full circle. That's why we talk about the value of content IP. Right. If you have something that is truly differentiated, think twice before you start distributing it all over the place. Yep. I do believe we can get back to this push versus pull, leaning more heavily on the pull, because if, you know, I've got something that nobody else in the market has, well, shit, you know. I'm going to go get I'm it. I'm going to go get it. Right. Exactly. So, Sarah, it's time. I know when I saw you in Vegas at CES, you said, oh, my God, kill by DIY. How come nobody's ever prepared for it? So let's see if you are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Okay. So, so what would you kill? Um, I would kill. This might be a little bit of a specific one, but this is going back to my sales days. Yeah. I would start to really think if I'm a brand about killing off line items and media plans that are off platform for the brand that I'm running with. So if I'm trying to buy, I don't know, whatever, someone's audience, why would I ever want to target this publisher's audience through audience extension on another platform? It never really made sense to me. It always felt like, all right, you're getting the right people, but you're not getting the right experience. So I would kill off just like, generally speaking, the concept of audience extension. If you're going to run with a publisher, you're doing it because you want to get that audience amid your content that IP next to the right people at the right time. I think this splicing and dicing, well, I'll get this audience, but I'm going to put it in front of the, my competitor's content because it's cheaper. You cheapen the experience. It's not worth your time. Kill it from that line item. Interesting. Okay. I like it. What would you buy? Bling, bling. I would buy a measurement company in podcasts. Whoever they are, wherever they are, we need it so bad. Apple Analytics is not enough. It's a really quickly growing industry, there's no reason it shouldn't be taking off. The only reason it isn't is because we don't have a way for advertisers to measure the success of it and equate it in a way that could make it easy to buy and show return on investment. So I would buy whoever can measure podcasts in a really meaningful way. Maybe you should come talk to the Panoply folks because they have the megaphone platform. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, or maybe yes. we should shift to DIY and let's just build it ourselves. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There so what you would go. you do yourself, Sarah? You know, this is something that I, we hope to write about at one point. Um, I work with a lot of comms departments, either in brands or um, in publishers. I think I would start to reimagine what the reporter and brand relationship looks like. You see so many people that just kind of spam you with press releases as opposed to taking the time to strategically walk you through their goals, their mission, and their product. Mm. And if they were to do that, we would have a much easier time actually giving them some of that earned media that they're craving. But when you just sort of spam us with press releases, it becomes really difficult for us to develop a smart relationship with your product and your brand. So I think I would reimagine the, the you know, reporter brand relationship. I love that. I think something that Laura and I talk to folks about in the industry a lot is don't just put a press release out in the wire. Yep. That's so old school. Right. It doesn't do anything. So these relationships... Um, and bringing, uh, you know, reporters into the fold on what's really driving the business and why this came about. So smart. And so that, right. Yeah. And I would say that if I was a VC, Sarah, that's why my money's on you because you're <laughs> asking the right questions. So that's right. With that, thank you so much, Sarah. If people need to get in touch with you, drop you a tip, go on yep. background. How do they find you? 
Sarah, S-A-R-A at Axios.com. And if you haven't before, subscribe to Sarah's Axios Media newsletter. It is awesome. It's something that now I get so many newsletters in my inbox. I always make sure I'm reading that. Every Tuesday morning. Sarah, thank you so much for calling in. It was great to chat with you. We hope you see you in New York City soon. Yes. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. So how smart is Sarah Fisher? I love her. She could be like the third leg of the stool. She might be the third leg and she might be the fourth leg. I'm not really sure. (laughs) She counts for two legs. Yeah, she was great. So definitely subscribe to Axios Media Trends newsletter if you haven't already. Um, But that said, we have our thank yous. Thanks, Cameron Drews. Andy Bowers. Matt Turk. And all of our friends and family at Panoply. And our fabulous listeners who have been sending us, I don't even know. I mean, like... Twitter's blowing up. Twitter's blowing up. But the emails that we're getting, oh my God. They're like phenomenal. Hair raising. Make me schwitz and tear up. (laughs) Like... Thank you. Thank you for everyone reaching out and saying how much you're enjoying the show and giving us ideas on things that you're interested in. Um, We are forever grateful and keep them coming. So with that, Atlantia, we'll be back in two weeks. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.